and welcome to episode number 42 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by the brightest minds in all of the gaming industry. This week, Adam Candy and Eric Ramsey join me to go down what has turned into a pretty robust little show sheet that we have right here, Eric. I mean, I mean, we're still going to power through this. We're not going to take too much of the people's time, but a lot of news kind of crept up on us since we lasted a podcast. Yeah, and a lot of uh, a lot of legislative news. It almost seems like we need a dedicated podcast just to cover all the legislative happenings these days, don't you think? Look at you with the perfect little setup right there. Yes, this will be the last version of this podcast for the lines. The lines will be uh, you. You will still stay subscribed to this, so please stay subscribed here, and of course, subscribe, rate, and review. Do all the great things here, but it will shift a little bit more to just the happenings within the sports betting and you know online gaming gambling industry dfs poker stuff like that the real nuts and bolts of the legislative stuff it'll find a home that is a little bit more suited to it over at legal sports report it will be the lsr podcast and that will launch next week so we will have a plug for that it'll be all over the website as well so be sure and subscribe and keep up with all that we will still have adam and we will still have eric on the other podcast from time to time to drop in and talk about some of the things that are going on within the industry but they live and breathe all of this stuff, and so we need to give that its proper due with a dedicated podcast. And so it'll live on LegalSportsReport.com, and this podcast will live on the lines, which will focus a little bit more on just the you know bigger bets, crazy winnings, different things that are going on like that. As usual, we will start with the quick hitters. Then we'll move into some of the bigger stories of the week, some interesting stuff going on with the Wire Act yet again, some other stuff with... Online poker, which Eric is very familiar with. Uh, we've got another couple of states maybe even in line for online poker and new ways that you can bet over there in New Jersey. But let's get things started off right here, Adam, out of the gate. Pennsylvania, we were not uh, uh, privy of the numbers last time that we got on this podcast. And whenever we talked about some of the other states, Pennsylvania numbers have come in. Pennsylvania gave us $32 million in handle and just about $2.6 million in revenue. So hold in the 8% area. Not too bad for this past month in January. You're looking at three casinos on a full month and three on a partial month and some really wide variants in the hold when you go from Sugar House with more than $10 million in handle and holding a tidy $100,000. And then you look over at Parks, and you see about half of that handle, 5.3, but a million one in revenue. I would caution everyone not to read too much into the numbers yet. We don't even have a full month with all six of these sports books on the record yet in Pennsylvania. And the other thing that we have to keep in mind is that there's no mobile sports betting in Pennsylvania. The latest that we've heard is potentially April for going online in Pennsylvania. But I think the $32 million handle in a month when we look at New Jersey pushing $400 million in handle underscores just how important it is to be able to take this endeavor onto your phones. Eric, there is an ample amount of people that live in Pennsylvania. So when you see this $32 million handle number here, did it does it just really really drive home the fact that uh, i mean mobile is really just if you want anything in your state to actually produce revenue and whatnot i mean if you don't have mobile you're basically just can i say pissing up a flagpole we're going to say pissing up a flagpole. you can say that yeah, yeah let's say it let's say it, yeah 
Yeah, and the, you know this applies to varying levels in 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 a given state. But even in Pennsylvania, a state that's you know it has large population centers, it has casinos spread throughout the state, including near the population centers. Even then, you you still have to find people where they're at, and most often people are not inside of the casinos. They're they're at home watching sports. So uh, yeah, you know, mobile betting crucial to the to the industry. And Adam, I, this is not on the sheet here, but I think it is uh, something we can just point out here. It wasn't a major story, but uh, Nevada did officially reject the uh, mobile sign-up, so you still do have to go in person. So we are sitting here in a state, and we talk about some of these other states with these laws, and we'll, we'll hit on a couple here uh, very shortly, but Nevada, even after seeing the massive and quick, quick rise over there in New Jersey when it comes to sports betting, is still going to exclude a whole bunch of people who don't want to take the time to go into the casino and have to do the whole song and dance, who would much rather just sit at home in their underwear and sign up for one of these things. And uh, it looks like they're still just going to stay in the dark ages. I feel like you're also leaving out the most important point. When there is a blizzard of record proportions like there was this week in Nevada, in Las Vegas, how is anyone going to be able to get to the casino? I'm not sure that any of the cars in Las Vegas can handle getting through the half inch of snow that's on the roads to go in and register. In in all seriousness, I actually went down to one of the sports books that requires in-person registration recently and i will not name that sports book but after 20 frustrating minutes of not being able to actually open the account i just gave the deuces to the guy at the counter and said we'll try this another time so if that's the experience people are facing in nevada then i shudder to think how many people they're going to end up losing out on and new jersey's got it right with doing it in mobile registration yeah and just the tourist as well right i mean we're talking about you know you and i are locals and we talk about the the ease for locals but even with the tourists i mean eric you and i were in new jersey and while we were there we didn't go sign up physically at any of the sports books we just signed up you know we, we were we were there for all of five days we signed up we got everything done in a hotel room and placed our bets and we're doing things there so i think people look at this from a local standpoint and sure you would definitely get more locals to sign up in nevada but i mean the, the tourists as well i mean there's a lot of people who are who are gunning and running around and doing different things and get hung over and all kinds of things like that and and uh that would certainly jump the number up there for sure but eric let's talk a little bit about connecticut here shall we uh yeah let's do talk about connecticut this is here we go into the into the state laws. Uh, this is budget time of the year for a lot of states, so we're starting to see this crop up. Connecticut's one state where we thought we might see sports betting appear in the budget. It turns out it did not, uh, but the governor did mention it in, in his address as something that should be moved forward outside of his budget. There is going to be another effort to legalize sports betting in Connecticut this year. Uh, similar to the one last year, the same players involved. Um, it's, you know, everything hinges on the tribes in uh, in Connecticut. Speaking of on-site wagering, they they want uh, they want even mobile betting to be restricted to their their tribal lands. And that's not something the state is willing to move forward with. So it really hinges on the tribes. We will see if, uh, you know, it, towards the end of last session, there were some rumblings that maybe there was an agreement with the governor and the tribes. We have a new governor now. So we will see if there if there is any sort of agreement, I guess, when these laws uh, hit the books. What are we handicapping Connecticut at? 50 <laughs> 50. I know Dustin loves these 50 50 projections, but uh, we'll, we'll see when these bills. I, as far as I know, nothing's actually filed in Connecticut yet. So, uh, you know, once these are filed, maybe we'll get a, a better feel for for the pulse there this 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 session. 
Now, yeah, Adam, I'm actually going to go under, by the way, on that. I'm going to go under 50-50. When you take the tribal complications and the fact that Ned Lamont did not put this into the budget, there's just a lot to work through in Connecticut right now. And there's a lot of will, but I don't think that there's necessarily a way this time through. It's not dead, but I don't think it looks great. One of the states that does have sports betting but does not currently have mobile sports betting is Rhode Island. Adam, is there a change afoot? There's definitely a change afoot in Rhode Island. Remember, you're only talking about two casinos, both the Twin River properties in Rhode Island, and it runs through the lottery. So you're looking at a state that has been open for a couple of months with retail only, and they want to go mobile. So a bill has made its way out of the Senate. It's been passed through the Senate. It is over on the House side waiting in committee. It has some pretty powerful support from the Senate president. We know that Governor Gina Raimondo has been a fan of sports betting. It was legalized last year when the governor put it into her budget, passed without a whole lot of hassle in Rhode Island. And with the amount of folks that they're drawing in from Massachusetts and the fact that much like New York and New Jersey, the Boston market, you can have people driving right over the border into Rhode Island very quickly to place wagers. The Rhode Island folks aren't dumb when it comes to that, and they realize they need to go mobile sooner than later. It looks like it has a pretty good chance. And I think this is uh, an opportunity while we do have a very loyal listenership here of the same people. If there are people out there in the legislature or people that are listening on behalf of people in the legislature, if you ever want to realize these lofty numbers and lofty goals that you have here, uh, mobile is certainly the only way to go. I think one of the things that people don't even put into play, Eric, as much as they should is the fact that not only is it getting the actual people to sign up and making it easier for there just being the volume of people playing, but the people that are betters and people who are uh, frequent betters, the ability of them to play in game as well and be able to continue to place bets even after the wagering has started on an event is something that we have seen just continue to drive up handle and as betting becomes more, I should say, avail- not only available to people, but as betting, the, the content becomes more available to people, the understanding becomes more available. We've seen the numbers overseas. The in-play is just going to continue to grow. Yeah, and, you know, uh, encouragingly, I, as you're talking, I've noticed that this year in watching legislative hearings, I've seen lawmakers become more educated about this and start to ask about in-play betting. Going back to Connecticut, the sponsor there is it really wants to make sure that people outside of tribal lands can in-play bet on their phones. He specifically talked about this. We weren't really hearing much from, from lawmakers about in-play betting last year. So maybe some education happening. I think folks are starting to understand just what you're talking about, that this is a significant component of, of the market. Speaking of playing online and in play and mobile and everything like that, we have a bill in Iowa that seems fairly promising. Hey, eh, Eric, you sure you sure this isn't the uh, the first episode of the legislative podcast, buddy? We got a lot of states <laughs> to get through here. Yeah, another state that you know considered sports betting last year. There are a lot of stakeholders in Iowa. There's tribal casinos. There's the lottery. There's riverboat casinos and horse track casinos. Uh, there's I think eight bills on file right now looks like we're going to have at least two more, uh, one in each chamber that will try to authorize sports betting for basically everyone except the lottery in the state. Uh, it will likely have online betting. The, the, the bills that are likely to move will have online betting. They will probably have on-site sign up. 
Uh, that's about all the details we have. We don't know about the taxes and fees or whether or not the leagues will be included. But um, <laughs> again, for ambition, Iowa wins this year with with eight to ten bills on file so far. Eight to ten different bills. I mean, you're, you're you're keeping the tally. It's it's got to be over a hundred now, right? It's typically not a great sign. No, we're not quite to 100. I think okay. we're at about 886 maybe All in right. 29 states. And again, I think we've talked about this before. It's actually not not a great sign when you see this many bills um, in one state. It means that it's, you know, not everyone's on the same page. But, uh, there, you know, there's a lot of interest in Iowa and seems to be the right kind of chatter coming out of there. So we're at least keeping keeping our eye on it. At, uh, Adam, I expect whenever we do get to 100, every time someone visits the homepage of Legal Sports Report, there's just a giant pop up that just that, that says we hit 100 or something like that. <laughs> I, I'm, I want this to be uh, written into the code. I, I'm sure you're a coder and know how to do all that. Well, yeah, obviously. And I think that the other thing you need to keep in mind is we're going to put that that 100 emoji just splash yeah. it across the front page <laughs> there you go. There at you all go. times. Just to add to Eric's point on Iowa, the, the chatter we're hearing is that the tax rate should be on the friendly side, and there seems to be some momentum behind one particular bill that uh, that is on the move. So looks like Iowa might be, A, moving quickly, and be of huge interest. I can tell you at Legal Sports Report, we have had a lot of engagement about what's going on in Iowa sports betting. And one more, st- uh, we promise, only one more state. That's, that's a lie. We're going to talk about New Jersey as well. But the, the, the one more state as far as updates go here, Adam, and it's a big one in Illinois. The land of Lincoln has maybe its biggest ally in the sports betting push that it's had through years and years of convoluted legislative happenings for not just sports betting, but all forms of gaming in Illinois. The new governor, J.B. Pritzker, has put forward a very ambitious and very Pennsylvania-like sports betting proposal. He, in his budget yesterday, announced that they would like to have, in his view, 20 online-slash-mobile licenses available those would cost $10 million a piece for the initial application. That is exactly the same thing that Pennsylvania did. And the governor also proposed a 20% tax rate on gross gaming revenue for sports betting. And that would be still significantly less than Pennsylvania, but it would be the highest outside of Pennsylvania in the nation. There are a couple of bills on file in Illinois. They're not likely to be the winners at this point, still holding off on a couple that are likely to look a lot more like the governor's proposal. But for getting Chicago into the sports betting fold, it looks better than it has in a long time. Eric, this is a number that when we heard it come out of Pennsylvania, we were like, wow, these guys are going to be so hesitant to do this. And and for a while there, it didn't seem like there were going to be a lot of people jumping in. And then all of a sudden, everyone started jumping in. So I think now we can look at this number, even with it being in Illinois, we know the population of Illinois. We know the popularity of sports in Illinois specifically. Um, I, I think this number now is might even kind of start being the the baseline number when it comes to these you know really big states with a hungry po- uh, with a hungry population for sports betting. Yeah, I don't you know I don't obviously don't operate an online sports book, but I would assume that these upfront costs are a little e- easier to uh, to stomach than than long term tax implications that affect your business for you know for decades to come. So I don't nec- I I haven't really 
no state he- hearing that I've watched has an operator really pushed back hard against the licensing fee, even at $10 million. It's uncomfortable, but it, you know, as a one-time investment to enter the market, it's really, it's, 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 it's manageable, I think, for, for operators in big states like that. I teased that we were done with the states. We're not. We're going to talk about New Jersey. We got a couple of different nuggets here from New Jersey. The first being we have lucky number 13, Eric Ramsey, over there in New Jersey. A lot of options if you want to place a bet. Can you believe we have 13 online sports books by this <laughs> by this point in time? Golden Nugget launched uh, their online sports book this week. They already had their retail book set up uh, over the, for the last few months, but they are now online as well. They are the 13th. There's only 10 retail books in the state. Um, and, you know, you're seeing if you've heard us talk about the revenue numbers or seen the report, you see how heavily it's skewed towards the online sports books. Um, yeah, there there's seems to be room for more in the marketplace. And uh, Golden Nugget will will gladly step in as number 13. And Adam over in New Jersey as well, Points Bet, which is a sports book that we've talked about before. Of course, we had uh, one of their guys on this podcast as well to talk about their model. They partnered with Top Golf over in New Jersey, going to have some branded bar areas, apparently some special promos and things running over there. Now, they won't have a physical book over there, but. You know, listen, uh, decently sports minded people, you think, go to Top Golf. Certainly, some people who are just kind of sitting around having some cocktails, recreational. Uh, certainly, the one here in Las Vegas, there is big screens to watch games and things like that. I don't hate this partnership, to be honest. No, and you can even add that the Top Golf in Las Vegas does have a betting window that last time I was there was not open, but certainly has been that way in the past. You can look at this as one of those sort of put your toe in the water synergy sorts of things, right? We've seen some media partnerships. We've seen some retail partnerships. We've seen sports betting lounges at arenas, things that just are kind of getting closer to pulling in the right type of market. So it'll be interesting. Points bet has certainly been aggressive. Points bet came over from Australia. They told me right from the start that even Australia was just proof of concept for them in terms of getting ready to come into the U S market. So it's interesting to see how aggressive they've been and getting out there with a big brand like top golf that has a national footprint. If this works in New Jersey, it's the sort of thing that could roll out very easily in any other state that legalizes. Yeah, I mean, the the Top Golf here in Vegas has a deal with MGM. Of course, now this one has a, a deal with Points Bet. We know that Top Golfs are popping up all over the country, actually. I, I read a thing about it being one of the fastest growing kind of sports based companies there there is out there uh, the need for for people they go to one and they want one in their own city they want one in their own state or something like that and and eric um is as someone i who has shared a top golf booth with actually the both of you guys um <laughs> I, I do believe that there's something to this and it listen if you're top golf there's really no downside right i mean it's basically a marketing deal they're going to pay you to be able to put up some stuff within your venues and like i said there's there's top golfs in like 20 something states now I, first of all, kudos to PointsBet for doing this. This is awesome that, you know, one of these startup foreign uh, companies is going to, you know, make a deal like this to compete with the operators that are making deals here in the U.S. That's awesome. Uh, and, yeah, I agree. Anywhere, you know, even Buffalo Wild Wings and DraftKings with their with their DFS partnership that, you know, maybe we thought was sports betting for a little while. I, I Same thing. Anywhere that there's a, a congregation of sports fans and likely better seems like a good place to put up some uh, some branding for your for your sports book. Yeah, right. Absolutely. And, and I think points bet being one of the ones that's kind of like trying to cut through the noise as well. I mean, what better way to just, you know, reach people than to have so many people passing through like a top golf and getting your brand out there in front of them. So good job to those guys. And Eric, final quick hit here. 
your boy. We have a new member of the Sports Betting Hall of Fame, your man. What I don't know what color jacket you get for uh, for but I hope they got a big one for Chris Christie because he Chris Christie is the the newest member of the Sports Betting Hall of Fame. This sparked a little mini debate on Twitter over whether or not he's deserving, but you know his name was on the Supreme Court case that that uh, ended up leading to the overturning of the federal sports betting ban. So it's hard hard to argue with that. There's probably some other candidates from New Jersey that are deserving. Lesniak comes to mind, and also the attorney Ted Olson. We're going to talk about, but um, but yeah, congrats to the. Uh, Congrats to the governor for his 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 uh, nomination there. Yeah, like you mentioned, I mean, his name is going to be forever linked. And so, I mean, it is, it is what it is. Even though he wasn't there for the finish line, his name will be forever linked to that. So our hats off to to one Chris Christie and, and congrats on his uh, induction into the Hall of Fame there. All right, Adam, into the main topic here and one of the topics that we continue to talk about week in and week out and probably will just about every single week on this show until we get some clarity and things that are going on with the wire act. And let's talk uh, some of these lawsuits. And we, we have another one that's come up. We do have another lawsuit that has popped up and a very interesting name uh, is the attorney on that Ted Olson. And if you've been around sports lawsuits uh, for the last 10 years or so, you have definitely seen the name Ted Olson. I would point you to legal sports report where our legal eagle, John Holden, has run you through the case in a lot more detail than I could do well. But essentially, we're talking about a lawsuit involving suppliers that could get to a definition of the Wire Act question that would apply in the larger lawsuit being put together by the New Hampshire Lottery. Now, we've seen some chatter about those two lawsuits potentially ultimately being combined. We know that we could be getting on the calendar here fairly soon for a hearing for the New Hampshire lawsuit. So I would direct you to all of John Holden's coverage at Legal Sports Report right now for the best breakdown in words that I don't completely understand, but I do my best to put them on the page and make sure that you have a chance to read them and understand them. I mean, we do have some excellent writers who put things into words that people can understand. I, I think that that is certainly something, but uh, it is a lot to take in with these things, Eric. I mean, just a brief, if someone happens to be listening to this podcast for the very first time, one, congrats, thank you for being here. Um, secondly, uh, give them the 90-second version of the whole Wire Act and the things that we're talking about here. Yeah, so there's this old law from the 60s, 1961, the Wire Act, that uh, basically as written prohibits interstate sports betting. That's that's what the plain language reading uh, will tell you it prohibits. More recently, a new opinion has come out in the last few months that would expand that to cover all forms of online gambling, potentially cover all forms of online gambling, depending on the enforcement. That could affect things like online poker, online casinos, the transmission of sports betting, of course, and even online lotteries, which is where you're seeing the pushback in New Hampshire and in other states. We've seen New Jersey also, which has, you know, a thriving online gambling industry threaten their own legal action. So right now the gaming industry is trying to figure out the exact implications of this and whether or not uh, more legal diligence is required to try to thwart this, this opinion. Now, Adam, I'm, this is certainly something that I don't, uh, putting your, I'm, I'm putting you on the spot here, but we've seen a few different lawsuits already. Do you think there are more in the hopper? I would be surprised on the surface because I think that everyone wants to see what comes out of New Hampshire. There was a lot of chatter about 
New Hampshire kind of being a perfect place to do this because you have a lottery that has millions and millions of dollars at stake. You have a potentially friendly circuit court for the lawsuit to be filed in. You have sports betting potentially coming into play. You have active bills going on in the state of New Hampshire for sports betting. So I would think that you're not going to find a more favorable place from what we hear from the legal experts than to try this in New Hampshire. And I, I wouldn't think anyone would want to interfere with that quite yet. But that being said, my uh, my law degree from that online place in Slovakia has not come in yet. So <laughs> I am not quite Zoom. sure that I'm the best expert. I think there is a chance you'll see another what call what they call an intervener from the first circuit. I think Massachusetts is part of that circuit as well. And their lottery director has also talked about not being very happy with this opinion. So if anything, immediately, you may see one of the other first circuit states uh, join the case, essentially. Eric, uh, moving into the kind of online poker realm, which will dovetail in a little bit to the to this wire act thing, the World Series of Poker. Uh, announced their online bracelet schedule. There are going to be nine online events this year. The first starts on June the 2nd. The last one will be on July the 14th. All kinds of price points if you want to try to get in on that stuff, if you plan on being out in uh, Vegas for this. And, of course, that is, I say that on purpose uh, leading into the question I'm going to have with Eric here. But price points at dollars $400, $500, $600, $800, $1,000, $3,200. One of the interesting things that came out of this, Eric, was that there was a footnote whenever they put out the schedule here, and it was the fact that there is no ruling on whether or not, as we saw last year, that New Jersey people were going to be able to play. Yeah, this is one of the potentially the most immediate pieces of fallout from that Wire Act opinion. What it does is put those on those multi-state poker compacts in jeopardy. That that is the transmission of gambling information across state lines. So this WSOP compact that that ties Nevada and New Jersey together is in jeopardy right now. They don't appear to think New Jersey players will will be involved. I I'll, I noticed no guarantees on these events, so they seem to not have a good feel for how many players they will have in these fields. Right now, yeah, good news if you're in Nevada, uh, uncertain if you're in New Jersey whether or not you'll be able to participate this summer. Yeah, and I think that what you mentioned there, one of the telling signs is is in the promotional materials sent out, there were no guarantees on any of these tournaments, which we saw guarantees last year for all the online bracelet events. And I think that, like you said, I think this is them kind of stepping back and wondering, all right, well, if we don't have these New Jersey people involved here, then what are we really going to be looking at as far as numbers go? So I think they're playing very, very cautious with this, but just another kind of fallout of this thing. And as everyone just sits kind of in limbo and now we've seen actions and we've talked to people, uh, Adam, I think, you know, we certainly talked to some lawmakers. We've thought, talked to some uh, attorneys as well, who are very well versed in all of this, who have said, you know, they're not really worried about it. They don't think it's enforceable. But here we do see a major gaming company seemingly at least playing it cautious. I think you can look beyond what's happening here with WSOP and look at Pennsylvania and remember that the Pennsylvania Gaming Control Board sent a letter out to operators telling them that they needed to make sure that everything that was happening with their operations was going to happen intrastate uh, with anticipation of what could happen with the new Wire Act opinion. More than 
anything concrete happening, the fear with this wire act opinion is exactly this type of situation where you're just putting uncertainty in the market. You're putting hesitation into the minds of operators. You're putting hesitation into the minds of legislators. We've actually seen in some of the bills that have popped up mentions of the fact that everything would happen on an intrastate basis to make sure that they're putting a bit of a legal disclaimer into their bills and try to protect themselves from anything that might come down the line from the Department of Justice. So the uncertainty is the real fear, really even more than concrete enforcement action at this point. We will continue to monitor all this stuff, and of course, if we get any clarity from Caesars and the WSOP, we'll certainly pass that along on the podcast as well. Eric, um, before we get off of online poker here, the there is, seems to be a little bit of movement here, maybe for some other states, however, to get involved in online poker. Not only are we going to talk about more bills, we're going to talk about online poker bills. What even is this podcast <laughs> right now? Yeah, it looks like, I mean, there's a chance that the next two states to legalize online poker will be Kentucky and West Virginia, of all places, which would have seen Kentucky a little less surprising. But West Virginia, a couple years ago, you would have never thought was a candidate for this. There are bills in both states that are uh, currently on the House floor for consideration. I think West Virginia is up for a vote tomorrow in the in the first chamber. Uh, I can tell you that one in West Virginia is the one to watch. We're hearing good things about its chance for passage. It is moving fast, and it seems to have support in both chambers and on both sides of the aisle. Very interesting that West Virginia is kind of emerging as one of the most open states in the entire country to all things gambling. Who'd have thunk, right? I, they, I, I will tell you, they need some money to fix their roads down there. So that might be part of <laughs> that might be part of the situation. And the one in Kentucky as well is more than just online poker. It is also a sports betting bill and a DFS bill. There's a separate casino bill. Lots of appetite for for gambling expansion, surprisingly, in, in that neck of the woods. Guys, please, please, please continue to listen to this podcast as we move on and split these podcasts into two. Again, we will have the LSR podcast that will feature these bright minds here in Eric and Adam. We will also have Dustin, of course, and everybody that we've had on the podcast rotating in and out. There will be me and Brett on the uh, this version of the Lions podcast, uh, continuing on uh, this channel, talking more about just the the more casual fan type things that are going on within sports betting, daily fantasy sports, poker, things like that. So we really appreciate the support and look forward to you guys joining us on the next podcast as well. Now, if you are looking for something to do and you are located in and or around the New Jersey area, remember. They have the Oscars betting this week. I know you are ready to get down on the Oscars here. We have an awesome, awesome amount of coverage on all of our sites. So we're talking the lines, Legal Sports Report, Online Poker Report, Play USA, Play NJ, all of the sites like that. So head over there and take a look at all the Oscars stuff. Jess Wellman, our resident expert, is very knowledgeable about all things that have to do with movies. It's almost kind of crazy when you listen to her talk about all that stuff. So be, be sure and take a, take that in. We have a podcast, we have videos. We also have written work from her as well. And Eric, I'm sure you're going to be making the drive. You can now bet on the AAF in New Jersey. So you're going to go, you're going to go ahead and make that drive down there across the border. I'm sure of it. Already talking to you from my car right now. There it is. The AAF, if you are in and or around New Jersey is on the board over there as well. Guys, thanks for being with us this week. We'll have the all-new podcast launch next week, and me and Brett will be back here on this channel as well. For Adam, for Eric, I am Matt. Talk to you guys next week.